Hello everybody, welcome to the No No Wrestling Podcast. My name is Robert Fuller and we're turning to the podcast is one of the hosts of the Gator Pit Podcast, Nick Gator. Nick, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much for having me. It's always great to be back talking wrestling with you. And we are talking about the uh, second part of the Rock Austin WrestleMania trilogy, which is the match at WrestleMania 17. And I don't know you agree, but a lot of people regard this to be probably the best WrestleMania main, main event, and also with WrestleMania 17, probably the best WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's right there. WrestleMania 17 is a, a WrestleMania that is now 15 years old and really stands the test of time. I know a lot of people like 19, um, you know, a lot of people like some of the more recent ones, um, I th- people like 31 a whole lot. But as, as a WrestleMania, it's now 15 years old. WrestleMania 17 definitely stands the test of time. And this is certainly a very memorable match between two of the biggest stars in the history of wrestling. Yeah, that's, I agree. I mean, it's, it's such a... Um, I mean, I, mean there's no, I didn't watch this one live. There's one WrestleMania I was really looking forward to. There were so many good matches. You had TLC2, you had Vince versus Shane, and China finally got out of the hands, and I do for the Women's Championship as well. Um, with the story for this match, um, simple setup. Um, Stone Cold came back after K5 being run over at Survivor Series 99, came back uh, right about October 2000, dealt with that, found out Rikishi was the driver, found out Triple H was the mastermind, feuded with them over the time, and during that time he went on to win uh, the Royal Woman 2001. As for the Rock, um, he was kind of involved in this a little bit because Rikishi said he's going to, he first won. Austin down for the walk, then we we'll argue with that, but eventually he wins the WWE Championship at No Way Out from Kurt Angle. So that's pretty much a big setup. And that's pretty much it. I mean, with I think the one thing that I found weird about this whole feud is uh, Vince, in interest of fairness, which he would say every time he's going to fuck someone over, um, got Austin's wife Deborah to become manager of the walk. Um, I'm assuming you were watching it. At the time, so what do you think when Vince did that? I I was watching it at the time, and you know, as you were saying, you know, Vince is always doing something. Vince the character and Vince the person is always doing something and trying to add a little bit extra to a match and add another dynamic to the match and everything. So I was I was very interested in this match i was a big fan of both these guys as a lot of people were and i thought that you know putting them in this match the second time they had wrestled at wrestlemania there was a big dynamic there um you know they had come off these these other feuds so i was really excited for for this match and i was really looking forward to seeing exactly what was going to happen it's one of those matches where it seems on paper that that one thing could or should happen, and then, you know, things happen. Yeah, I think so. I think I went, when I went, when Vince first did, I just thought he was just doing it just to fuck with Austin. Kind of thing. I didn't, I didn't know if they could kind of like reignite that whole Vince and Austin feud again. Um, so during that time, they did use like this um, one, like you know, like a face-to-face interview. And what is saying, I, I don't want this kind of thing, but Austin's goes, well, he's your responsibility now, so any bad thing happen to her, you know, it's not going to go well for you. Um, unfortunately, in war, that's exactly what happens, because what gets put in an ankle lock by we, uh, for Angle, and with everyone to check in, uh, Angle did the same thing. 
So Austin saves, goes in, saves her, and then gives uh, what uh, Stunner has a punishment. Um, and that's pretty much it. I mean, it's um, you see bits of times where they um, the guys kind of like stalking each other or hitting each other's moves. Um, and there's a bit, I think, of the SmackDown before WrestleMania itself, where um, they're in the wind and Austin gives uh, Rock a beer, but he kind of says, it just acts like a dick for this whole thing. <laughs> he pretty much like shoves it into um, his chest and slaps it away, and Rock returns the favor and they end up brawling. So, I don't know about you, but considering the importance of this match, it seemed to be very. I don't know, did I think the feud would be as big as it could have been, or well, just the fact you had two of the biggest names of the Altitude Nero would be enough to sell this? Yeah, I think that's what they were going for, is you didn't need a lot. You needed the two biggest names in, in the company, the two biggest names, the two of the biggest names in the history of wrestling, in the main event at WrestleMania for the title, and the match kind of sells itself. So I think that's part of it, and it's kind of funny because now what we've seen is, you know, especially with this year with Brock Lesnar and Goldberg, not only do you see them interact all the time, but this has been like a this has been like a six month arc to get to where we're at after, you know, over a decade since they met. So they've put a there's a lot of stuff going on here, and there's been a lot of interactions with the two of them. Whereas in the Austin and Rock situation at seventeen, they really were almost thrown together and i think you're right it's just because it was the two of them and all the setup that really makes it interesting and makes it work because if this were you know somebody else they just thrown two guys in there to wrestle wrestlemania which they do all the time there wouldn't be a lot of interest but because of who they are and what the stakes were even without a lot going on there was a lot of interest yeah i think that's probably the thing and also yeah the fact that it was in Houston and North Austin's home state as well. Um, spoiler, did you feel like they that they were going to do a teasing a heel turn with Austin before this match? You, it was. It's always it's always difficult in these instances because you go back and look, and it seems oh well, obviously he was going to do this, and obviously he was going to do that. But Steve Austin being that first real in between heel face character yeah you can you just never know if austin was just being austin and even in this instance with the heel turn it a lot of people don't like it i don't have a problem with it but a, the reason a lot of people like it is one they were in texas as you alluded to so austin still gets a big pop and it's austin winning the title so it still gets a big pop even though he has vince helping him so it's this is one of those things where austin to turn Austin heel in in this era is difficult because he's not really a face. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he's never been he's been the biggest baby face. But he's never been like like someone like uh, Cena or Hulk. He's never been that kind of less, like that kind of personality. Right. Um, and it, and even with The Rock, for example, you know when when The Rock is a face, The Rock is. A certain character and the, when the rock is a heel he's definitely a different character uh you know as far as austin goes he might he might be a little more heelish or a little more aggressive or something as a heel but he's essentially the same character i mean he was a face in dallas last year and he still stunned the you know the baby faces and everything so yeah. it's that whole dta thing is 
is, you know, the way he, he his character is always on. Yeah, I think, I think that's, I think that's one of the problems I have with some of the baby faces in today's wrestling, because you've got, because I always argue that there are times when baby faces are even worse than the heels. I mean, Randy also is the best example of that in the minute, because he decided to set someone's house, someone house on fire. Yeah. And you got people like um, Austin Aries. I mean, I love Austin Aries, but to me, you can't you can't be baby face and say you're the greatest man that ever lived because that's a huge thing to say. Um, but it stopped the match. Um, I guess it's like with the problem package for this is brilliant. It's, it's set to uh, My Way by Biscuit, which is also the feature for WrestleMania, and you see like all the promo of what we've just talked about. Um, how the thing is obviously the ring announcer. I mean, he does his usual spiel and he goes, "Oh yeah, by the way, it's a no disqualification." Which kind of deals like, like, what? What the fuck's going on there? Um, oh, by the way, the, the commentators are Jim Ross and Paul Heyman. Uh, what did you think about this commentary combination? Because it wasn't very long; it's about six, seven months before uh, King came back. Yeah, it was in that that Jerry Lawler sort of interim time where the cat had been fired and Jerry yeah. had followed her out and then he came back. I quite like these two, and this is a little fun fact. Uh, Jim Ross and Paul Heyman are the are the only announced team that has announced both a Starcade and a WrestleMania. Really? I did not know that. What's what's Starcade gonna do? I know they, I know JR was there like the early nineties, but yeah, they did Starcade '90, which is the Black Scorpion main event. Oh, okay. And I real watching Starcade '90 is actually when this clicked, and then you start thinking about who else, what other announced team could have done a WrestleMania and a Starcade. And so for those first eight or ten years, when you have Gorilla Monsoon doing it, then obviously Gorilla Monsoon never did a Starcade. And then, as you get, it, it, it had to be someone like Jim Ross, yeah, um, who who had done both. And then you think about, well, who would it have been with? And Jerry Lawler was never an announcer in WCW, and Paul Heyman was a manager and announcer, and you know that ended yeah. up leaving a couple of years later. So yeah, it's one of those things that just kind of clicked. Um, and then I did a little research and realized that that's actually the the the, the case. So I like these guys. Uh, I like them a lot. I thought that one of the best moments of the whole of the whole WrestleMania is when they do the uh, gimmick battle royal and they bring out Bobby Heenan, who's one of yep. my all time favorites. And, and Paul Heyman says, you know, aside from me, the greatest wrestling manager ever. And Jim Ross reacted, aside from me. <laughs> so they they had that. You know, there was an Oklahoma cowboy and a. Uh, Jewish guy from New York, but they had they had chemistry. Yeah, they were really good. Um, and with that game away, it was great to see Bobby the Brain back. He is like my favorite like color commentator um, ever. Um, yeah, if you get to the match, this match a is br- brutal. Out of the three, it's the most brutal. It's also the longest of the three. But this match starts at like a thousand miles an hour. Because um, the rock comes, rock comes out and he does this turnbuckle with the belt. As soon as he stops and turns around, Austin doesn't fuck around. He starts beating him up. Um, hits him with punches, Lufres, and they go out the wing, into the crowd, into the announce table. Um, which, by the way, the announce, on the announce table is a war zone because the Spanish announce got destroyed with the Vincent Shade match. And then... Their weapons got destroyed later on. Um, yeah, when Esk goes back in, Austin like, stops in the walk, gets two count, gets a superplex, 
And then you get to see elements of the um, those fabrication now because Austin starts like exploding time book up, which I've not seen in years, by the way. Um, during this time as well, Jay, like because Jr. doesn't know who made call for no DQ, he's going to he assume it's Commissioner William Regal. See, he you see like Jr. and Paul kind of like arguing about that as well. Um, and this is it's a um, were you surprised about how brutal and how quick it was at the beginning? I was because this is not usually what you get in a WrestleMania main event. Most of the time, you get the two guys are eyeing one another. The announcers are talking about how this is the biggest WrestleMania main event in history. Then uh, they're kind of eyeballing one another and maybe even a little bit of stalling. But that was definitely not the case here. As you said, they went right at it immediately. I think the first thing Austin tried to do was hit Rock with the title belt. Yeah, uh, and so they they really get into it first, and before you know it, they're both bleeding, yeah, and you know, going everywhere. So they they it, it was a very uh, fast paced main event to say the least. Yeah, I mean with that, uh, I mean um, Rock is the first, uh, but he gets creamed with the wind bell. Um, but I think he I think he's might have been a little bit before that because um, the referee is on hand, he, he trips and walk, I don't know, kind of stands around him for some reason, turns around and Austin goes like surprised with the wind belt um, they then find the, they find the announce table and I think there's a bit where you don't really see you hear the sound of it because you hear on the audio of the, of the announcers but the, the announcers just collapsed so I, I assume what kind of just laid on it and the whole weight of him just collapsed it which is a bit, a bit of an anticlimax um with Austin, he gets busted open when he gets thrown into this front turnbuckle, and then in a bit of karma, what throws him, uh, so hits him with the bell as well. Um, also, they go in and out all the time, which is like a common attitude in a match. Uh, were you quite surprised? Do you when you saw this match, you were like, "Oh yeah, I remember the Wednesday crowd like all the time." Yeah, I. I... I was a little surprised, um, uh, and then when I went back and watched it again, I think I think everything just kind of works. You know what I mean? Like when I, you know, this is like one of these things where you can go back and maybe even appreciate a little more and get a little more out of it. Yeah, I think so. With some of the stuff that they did. Yeah, I think I think the only thing that bothered, bothered me is obviously the match before that is the Triple H Undertaker match, and they spent a good half of it in the crowd because the referee gets tweened. And he's he's out, he's unconscious for like practically the whole match, and they fight in the crowd for ages. So it's been weird seeing two matches go to the crowd um, consecutively. Um, Austin then um, goes, he catapults Rock into the wing pose, hits him on one attack, and it was back in cuts with two. Austin goes to the stunner, but Rock stops and put Austin in. Well, I call it a shit shooter because terrible <laughs> at it. Um, which is the shop shooter, obviously. Um, and Jay, I like reminds us of the um, the Brett Austin moment, that moment at WrestleMania 13. I thought that was a nice, like, little reminder. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's there's some moments like that in this match where they they have callbacks to to previous points in their career, previous WrestleMania moments. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, and then Austin gets to the rope. And um, Austin does an even worse version of the sharpshooter. We didn't think it was possible. Uh, and that was bad. That yeah. was really bad. It was terrible. Probably, they not. really were trying to. Sorry. They really were trying to sort of re 
fake that WrestleMania 13 moment because Austin's bleeding, The Rock is bleeding, just yeah. like in at 13 where the, Austin passes out and his blood and everything. So they were definitely going to try to emulate that moment. Now it's Austin that's got the sharpshooter on someone and they're bleeding and all of that. Yeah, that's true. Um because I think what Austin put it, it started well, and then he just stood up and said, like, fuck's sake. Um, so what falls out of that, Austin does again, but what gets to the rope. Um, and then Austin puts on a million dollar dream, and this is before I knew he was the ringmaster. So yes. it's, nice, it's nice to JR to go, oh yeah, that's the ringmaster, he did that. I was like, oh, right, okay. Because, uh, A, I love it, because um, Ted DiBiase is just, like, one of my favourite wrestlers, like, ever. Um, so he, he puts that on, but uh, what? And this is another callback. Um, I'm sure you've seen the the Piper Brett match for WrestleMania Eight. Oh, absolutely! It's yeah. one of my all time favorite WrestleMania matches. Yeah, it's one of mine as well. And um, obviously, Rock does that kind of pin that ended that match. But right, Austin. and they did that. Um, they did that same finish with Balor and I want to say it was Balor and Joe last year for NXT in Dallas. Yeah, I, I think, think it was Balor and Joe. Uh, I know that was my first thought. Was that was that was the WrestleMania eight finish? Yeah. So, which is um, just great. For I like that scene with like just like unique pins. You don't get it enough. Um, yeah. And then this is uh, Rock. Then hits the stunner. Um, gets two. Um, and this is when Vince McMahon comes down. Um, he's all dressed from earlier when he gets you off the shame. Um, Rock hits some punches, but um, also hits a spine buster for two. Uh, and then walk the spine buster and hit the poopy elbow so you think okay the match is over but um, Aust- uh, Mr. Finman kind of pulls the walk off yeah um, and it's, it takes a while for the walk to kind of figure out he's like oh, what the fuck happened sees Vince like you son of a bitch um, goes after him um, but he pretty much runs into walk bottom by Austin for two um, Austin goes to the stunner but he's pushed to the ref and he falls out the wing I don't know about you, I didn't think a ref bump was necessary for this match, because no disqualification, so... Right, I, I rarely think a ref bump is necessary. A ref bump is one of my real pet peeves in wrestling. Yeah. Um, and you're right, especially in this match, but Earl just, Earl probably asked to take a bump. Earl likes to Earl likes to take a bump. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, probably because he would have been early 50s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, so... Um... So Austin hits a low blow and then gets Vince to hit Walker with chair. So this, this is when they're like cementing the fact that Austin, you know, that Austin and Vince are working together here. Um, he, after that, Vince provides a ref and he gets a two. Uh, Walker hits a what Boston, but Vince then distracts the ref. Uh, Walker goes after Vince, but Austin hits a stunner for two. He gets a chair, Vince hits him again for two. So the walk is not given up, and Austin's like going, Why are you not staying down? He gives this look to say, You know, what the fuck do I need to do here? Um, and Austin's response is to hit the walk with a chair 16 times. Uh, luckily, not on the head. <laughs> so that, that's a bit, uh, that's not so bad. Because um, obviously, there's times a years ago when uh, walk hit Mankind in the head like 11 times in a match. So yeah. kind of glad that didn't happen. And um, pins walk and wins. Um, do you think that end was a bit anticlimactic, or was it just more showing how brutal Arsenal was to go? I think they were going for this is how far Austin is willing to go, tying into 
he's willing to hit him. And I was going to say he hit him about a dozen times, but it's good to know it was actually 16. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he not only colludes with his longstanding rival, his biggest enemy, but he's willing to destroy the rock and pin him with 16 chair shots. I don't like the idea of 16 chair shots as a finish to the main event of WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, even if you, you know, you do all those chair shots and then you stand them up for a, you know, a stunner or another stunner or something, or you have him pass out in the million dollar dream or the sharpshooter or whatever. Um, but that's the finish that they went with. And then you get the moment of, of Austin and Vince celebrating together. And the, the crowd is, uh, a definite mixed reaction. There were definitely big pops for Austin when he won. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things. I mean, they're in Texas and it's Austin and, you know, trying to do a full blown heel turn in, in that manner was uh, probably ill advised, but it happened. Yeah, that's the thing that's probably a bit weird about this is that you very rarely see heel turns in that person's home state or city. So it was a bit of a unusual thing for them to do. Um,. So obviously we talked about the heel turn and all that stuff. And afterwards, uh, by the way, Austin and Finn shake hands and celebrate with beers. Um, JR has not taken this very well. He's, he's, he's just apoplectic. He's just going ballistic and all that stuff. And then Austin, in a big move, um, hits Rock. As soon as Rock stands up, he hits him with the belt. Um, and they go off the bat um, to end the show. Um, with Austin's heel turn, um, for me, it kind of it started well enough, and then he seemed to go into this like weird detective madness thing. He kind of started the whole what thing, and then he was like doing like impromptu concerts backstage with Deborah and yeah, um, Vince and Vince like what the fuck is this kind of thing. Um, and also obviously with that, um, the day after like Austin and Walk have a wee match and. I don't know the exact circumstances, but that leads to Rock being suspended. Um, so in real life, he goes to film the movie too. Um, and then he, and then Austin, in a weird move, um, aligns with Triple H to form the two-man power trip. What did you think about that? Because I found that weird. Say that again, I'm sorry. So what did you think about um, Austin and Triple H teaming together to form the two-man power trip? I think it was interesting and i think it had potential and we will probably we'll never know exactly what could have happened yeah uh because triple h took the the hardest way of missing the invasion uh by you know almost ending his career um so i i think it was it was definitely an interesting idea almost sort of like a heel version of like the mega powers yeah You'd have these two enormous stars teaming up, and then they would now be on the heel side. But there, there's something to that. So it's it was unique and it was different, and it was a way to have two of the the biggest stars in the company working together like that. And I think it kind of works with the two of them. I think Austin Rock would have been too much, yeah. uh, for example. And I think Hunter and the Rock would it just it doesn't it doesn't work. Um, but Austin and Triple H together kind of, I think it worked, and, and I think they could have done more with it until Hunter got hurt. Yeah, I think with that, I mean, um, one of my, one of the things I've always noticed about wrestlers is that they are the most forgiven people on the planet. And 
I kind of semi, kind of semi got Austin a bit because, like, you know, I'll go with my greatest enemy, he's going to help me out. But considering that, it was kind of weird to me that Triple H plotted to d- destroy Austin's career. Austin responded by almost crushing him in a car. They had this big fight, and then Austin's like, yeah, I, I kind of forgive you, so we're now good. It, it's found out, oh, it always bugs me how wrestlers can be so forgiving. <laughs> well, I mean, it. It's funny because if we if we go if we fast forward a year, Hogan tries to kill The Rock with a truck. Yeah, and then after WrestleMania, they're teaming up, and you know all is forgiven. And I can remember other instances of this. You know, the the beginning of 1987, the Macho Man tries to end Ricky Steamboat's career. He takes him out with uh, the ring bell on his throat. They have that match at WrestleMania three, and by November, Steamboat is on Randy Savage's SummerSlam or Survivor Series team. Yeah. So it's one of those things where, you know, we have to. It, it makes no sense, but as wrestling fans, we kind of have to suspend disbelief a little bit, and yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, just I mean, look at look at look at Sean and Hunter. I mean, they've had this incredible love hate relationship of, of trying to kill one another and loving one another and back and forth. Yeah, I mean, you kind of get that like comic books. You get like you know, Professor X and Nito kind of being enemies. And then back together, and same with like Thor and Loki. Um, I don't, I don't know if DC can be with that, but I know that's right. That's right. Common theme to do in uh, Marvel comics. Um, with yeah, I mean, talking of, just going back to talk about Triple H's injury. Um, you know, I do you do wonder what Triple H could have done during the invasion and all that stuff. Um, did you watch that match live when in Japan? I did. I did. This was this was an era where I was in college and i had friends who are big wrestling fans so after sort of being a very casual fan for a few years um towards the end of the the attitude era at this point things are sort of ramping up and you know now we had wcw was out of business and i was a big wcw guy um so as things are sort of ramping up in the next couple of years i really become a a bigger wrestling fan so yeah i was really watching everything as it was going on at this point yeah, I mean, I didn't watch. It. I think that I, my someone, someone had a video of it, and I watched it a couple of weeks, couple of weeks after that. But I want to think of that 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 was a moment for me, and it was bad what happened to him, and also that's the moment that kind of cemented Triple H my favorite all time wrestler because um, I don't know if you're familiar with the sport of rugby union. No, um, pretty much it's, it's it's like my football, I mean, a bit less violent, but you see people like getting getting no. No, through like through just through the sport, like getting like um, like a busted nose or something like that, and they'll just carry on and nothing happened, kind of thing. So it's kind of reminding me a bit of that. Um, so let's briefly talk about um, this year's WrestleMania. Um, you're actually going there live. Um, is there anything yes. about the whole whole weekend that you're looking forward to? Um, I'm really looking forward to this Hall of Fame ceremony. I was a Kurt Angle fan forever. I'm an enormous fan of DDP. Uh, I really like Beth Phoenix. Uh, Ravishing Rick Root is someone who I have been lobbying for years to go into the Hall of Fame. He is he is everything about wrestling in the 80s. He had great feuds. He was a great champion. He had a great look. Yeah. Um, you know, he's one of those guys, if you watched wrestling in the 80s, he is someone that will always stick in your mind. Uh, Rock and Roll Express, legendary tag team. Teddy Long. I can remember when Teddy Long 
was the uh, valet at ringside when you would have a squash match and the face would come out or the the the, the enhancement talent would come out and they'd have their their jacket on and he'd be the one taking it back to the back to the locker room and then he became a referee and then he became a manager uh, and then he came into the WWF and became a referee and then a manager and then a longtime authority head on on SmackDown. So he's had a, an amazing career in the world of wrestling. So I have to say, even more than WrestleMania, even more than NXT, I'm really looking forward to this Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's, it's um, we've been talking about the Hall of Fame bash, and that's, that's a, it's a very good card. I mean, I've always been a big fan of Kurt Angle, but um, we have we, we have the podcast here in the UK called Our Duty Era Podcast, where they went over every pay-per-view during that era. And they really big, it made me appreciate Angle a lot more, because it made me realize actually how good he really was. I mean, his technical ability is great, without question, but he's really good. He can do comedy. He can be even straight man. I think he's big at times. But when wherever character needed to be, he was very good at doing that. And uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's one of the things that really separates him from a whole class of people who are very good technically. Is yeah, he was an Olympic gold medalist, so he was a he was an accomplished amateur wrestler, but. He was an amazing promo. He had amazing amounts of charisma, and that's why he's you know one of those guys where I know Bret Hart has said you sort of look at you look at three parts of a wrestler. You look at his in-ring work, you look at his promo work, and then you look at sort of his his entrance, appearance, music, you know, all those extra parts of him. And Angle's probably a ten in the ring, a probably eight or nine in promo, and probably you know a seven or eight. As far as the music and the the personality and every and, and everything that went on, so he's an all time great, and it's nice to have him back where he belongs. Yeah, that's true, definitely. And um, probably I'm not familiar with the Walking Wallace Express, but Nancy Beth Beth Phoenix there because she was probably the bright spark in the time when wrestling was like really bad, and other people as well. Um, is there any particular matches that you're looking forward to? Uh, as far as this WrestleMania goes, uh, I'm really looking forward to Jericho and Owens for a lot of reasons. Yeah. I think that will be great. Um, I'm, that's, that's definitely number one in my mind. Uh, I'm not really looking, I, I'm curious to see what happens with Orton and Wyatt. I think that can be very good or it could be not so good. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm glad that Bray Wyatt probably at least two years late is really getting a, a bigger main event type you know title push um, because I think it was a big mistake for him to lose to Cena in New Orleans and I think it was possibly a mistake for him to lose to the Undertaker but it really didn't matter because the streak was over and yeah. it would never really you know um, at the time before the streak ended I used to say that the streak shouldn't end but if the streak was going to end it should be ended by someone who could make their whole career on it like a Bray Wyatt. Yeah. Uh, and then having him lose to Cena and then lose the Undertaker and then he he had won his feud with Dean Ambrose prior to that to build him up to lose to the Undertaker. So it's been years that a lot of Wyatt fans have been waiting for this and now he gets to go into WrestleMania uh, as the WWE title holder. So I think that's great. Um, Goldberg and Lesnar... I mean, it, it should be less than five minutes yeah. for for all parties concerned. So it's 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 not the most exciting WrestleMania uh, of the last few years. And I've been going; I've gone every year since 
Miami. So yeah. 28, 29, 30. The one, this is my sixth in a row and my sixth in a row or my fifth in a row. They all blend in. Yeah. Um, so no, this is 33, isn't it? Yeah. 28, 29, 30. This is my sixth in a row and my seventh overall. Uh, and it's not something I'm – I'm not overly looking forward to this to this mania. But WrestleMania, even when it's bad, it's still pretty good. And, and sitting in Dallas last year and the, the booking was so odd. I, I quarter of, a quarter, it sort of made it like a, like a spectacle unto itself that the booking was so unusual, I thought, and who was winning and who, what was going on. So even when it's not good, you have something to kind of focus on and think about. Yeah, I think so. I mean, with the matches, I'm probably looking forward to Jericho and Owens. Uh, I'm probably looking forward to the first uh, four way for the War Women's Championship as well. Um, never against Aries, I think would be good as well. Um, I think one thing I'm quite interested in is Undertaker Roman Reigns because um, even though he's universally booed, W keep on pushing Reigns and pushing Reigns and pushing Reigns to be like this super babyface thing. Um, so I, I'm interested to see where they're going to go with that, whether they're going to take a win or where it would be Undertaker, but we'll see with that. Um, are you actually going to NXT as well? Or? Yeah, I will. We will be at everything. We'll be at uh, we'll be at the Hall of Fame. We will be at NXT Mania Raw and SmackDown. Yeah. So I I'm going to enjoy all of it. NXT usually puts on a pretty good show. Uh, I think this is the I think this is the passing of the torch to Ember Moon, and I think Asuka will debut on Raw the, the following Monday. Um, you know, and for all we know, if they put her on SmackDown, because of this thing about every everybody on SmackDown, yeah, is could be in this match. If Asuka, as I expect, Asuka is going to lose to Ember Moon and move on to the main roster, she could be a surprise entry in whatever that match is going to end up being. Yeah, I think that could be that could be a good one as well. So eventually, I think you know. Hopefully after we're gonna see Nakamura and Asuka get pushed. Go to yeah, well, Boston. Nakamura was originally not going to be on this UK tour, but now he's been added to this UK tour of, uh, of NXT in the summer, which leads you to believe that he's not going to be getting called up right after. But who knows? Yeah, that's true. I mean, um, with me, um, I'm going to the WWE. They're, they're going to be in my hometown Liverpool in May, and I'm going to the NXT show in Manchester, which is not far from Liverpool. So, um, quite looking forward to um, hope. Well, I think the one in Liverpool is, is a war show. So, hopefully, I'm actually Nakamura because he's one of the best that I'd love to see live. Um, and actually, as, as people know, I've only come to the UK quite a year. So, it will be nice. So, um, yeah, I have to say, seeing Nakamura live is pretty awesome. Um, so I would I, I saw him live when he had his debut against Sami Zayn in Dallas. I saw him in Brooklyn when he had the big entrance. I saw, actually it was two years in a row in Brooklyn. Um, I guess it was two years in a row in Brooklyn. Uh, so seeing Nakamura live is one of those things that you really have to do. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm quite looking forward to that. I mean, um, I think we only grab with these two shows I'm going to is um, because the way the blind spin is now. So I'm going to be surprised as I'm not going to see because. But I'd love to see AJ Styles. Hope we're going to see him at some point as well. Um, so, uh, Nick, thank you for being on the show. And where can you find you on the internet? 
Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. It's always great to talk about some of the great previous moments in wrestling history and WrestleMania. You can find me on Twitter at Nick Gator, all one word. And please follow the Gator Pit Podcast at Gator Pit Podcast, all one word. Uh, We're going to have a couple more shows and then we're going to be going on a little bit of a summer break after WrestleMania. Uh, WWE always does that big international tour after WrestleMania. So it's basically coming up on a season finale. Uh, coming up. So we have a few more episodes of the Gator Pit and then we'll be on a little break, but we'll be doing all kinds of WrestleMania stuff for the next few weeks. So please give us a listen. Sure. And as for me, the podcast is on lonelowrestling.wordpress.com and the blog is at lonelowrestling.blogspot.com. We'll talk about peer review, view, uh, when I can do cover the bad and pain repeaters as well. And on Twitter, I'm at lonelowrestling. All one word. So Nick, thanks again for being on the show, and uh, join us you know, for the final part of the Rock Austin trilogy, which will be talking with Adam for Reservoir Contact about the match of WrestleMania 19. So until then, thank you very much, and goodbye.